Sideways, an urban fantasy series written and narrated by Andy Havens. You're listening to book one, Awake. This and the second book, Aware, are available on Amazon as print and ebooks. You can get the Amazon links, learn more about the series, read the development blog, create fan fiction, and read the first book for free at thesideways.com. That's T-H-E-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the books in any form, I'd really appreciate a share on Facebook or Twitter, or LinkedIn, I suppose, or Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, Pinterest, Flickr. Chapter 2, Part 2. The girl levered herself up on her hip with one arm, the other hand rubbing her eyes. When she pulled her hand away, he could see that her eyes were very bright green. Rather lovely, actually, he thought. Her brown hair seemed to have a bit of red in it, not evident earlier in the dim atmosphere of the atrium. She looked around the room as if trying to place it. What she saw was a rather large office with tall, narrow windows on one side, a fireplace opposite, and bookcases everywhere else. The shelves even went around the door and the fireplace. There was a large, antique roll-top desk, covered in papers and books and other office paraphernalia. Against one wall was a gray, rather drab couch, with standing floor lamps at each end. A stuffed taxidermy crow sat on a wrought-iron perch. And in an old-style office chair on rollers sat an old-style librarian. Monday resolved simply to kill her outright if the first words out of her mouth were, Where am I? Her death was certainly a possibility no matter what, but Monday hated to be bored. Instead, she shook her head a bit, rubbed her eyes some more, looked up at Monday, squinting as if into a bright light, and asked, Is the gargoyle okay? Well, not totally worrisome, after all. He put down his book, steepled his hands in front of his chin, and replied, He seemed fit when he and the Greenman dropped you off. She nodded, not looking directly at Monday. Good, she said. She still seemed quite foggy. Monday didn't press, letting her come around at her own pace. After a minute of silence, though, during which she simply looked at him curiously, he pressed on. Why don't we, he said reasonably, start with your name? Mundanes, he thought, often won't do or say much until their labels are taken care of, which is certainly understandable when you consider how little they know. I'm Kendra, she said. Kendra White. Well, Kendra, why do you think you're here? She frowned and rubbed her head with one hand, clearly still a bit puzzled. The last thing I remember was the tall, alien-looking guy with the dreadlocks spearing the Sky Woman with a huge blade of grass. Her body was blue, and when some of it splashed on me, it hurt like heck. She looked down at her shoulder and saw the spots. Doesn't hurt any more, though, she commented. Which wasn't really an answer to Monday's question. I must remember to keep it basic with these people. Where were you when this happened, he asked. 
in one of Mr. Vernon's gardens, the topiary. And then she laughed. Now, Monday was not much of a laugh for himself, but he thought that hers was very fine and deep, especially for a young girl. He was often peeved when women giggled like birds or yipped like little dogs. Kendra had a full, honest laugh, and for the first time he began to consider that she might live through the day. He had no idea what he would do with her, but he was intrigued by the depth and character of her laugh. It almost reminded him of true speech, as opposed to the limited doggerel he was forced to use with mundanes. Monday aloud, a small half-smile, and what, he asked, is so funny, young lady. She shrugged. This, she pointed at the blue marks on her skin. You, she pointed at Mr. Monday. Aliens, gargoyles, crazy nude blue women. I really shouldn't have gone off my meds. Ah, drugs, Monday thought. When mundanes come into contact with the real world, they often blame their new perceptions on pharmacological effects. Apparently the lack of drugs could also be blamed. That's a new piece of information. Two points for the little girl. Be that as it may, he continued, laboring to return to the subject, do you have any idea where you are or how you came to be here? She shook her head. No, she replied. I am totally in the dark there. He nodded, watching as she began to rotate her head, as if to get some stiffness worked out of her neck. Then, quite suddenly, she stood up and said, I appreciate you letting me nap or whatever on your rug, Mr. Sir, but I've got to get home. I was going to be late before I passed out and freaked out and passed out again, I guess, so now I'm going to have some splainin' to do. She was smiling politely, waiting for Monday to dismiss her, so that she could turn around go out to the street and presumably find a taxi or subway home. The librarian was dampening many of the effects of his ways that would most discomfort a mundane, but not all of them. One can't completely hide the truth, merely cover it over a bit. And yet, there she stood, polite and confident, waiting for permission to leave. He did not give it. He simply stood and waited. "'I have to get going now, mister,' she said. Her tone was wary, but her eyes were steady. Many children in this era, Monday thought, grow up very quickly and become hardened early on. I'm not sure if this is always good. She looks as if she has been taught a thing or two about men who keep young girls back in their offices over long. Not yet, he said softly. First, I want you to tell me what you saw when you woke up this morning. She looked puzzled, and he knew she wouldn't actually answer his question with words, he didn't expect her to, and it didn't matter that she wouldn't. Simply asking the question generated the response he needed. The slightest thought about her morning provided the bookmark. You need to start somewhere, after all. For her, he knew the entrance of the way would feel like going to sleep. Her eyes glazed over and she backed up one step, bumping into and then slipping down on the drab gray couch. He sat beside her and read a small chapter of her life to walk his way through and around the events that had led her to his library. Apple blossoms in the window, getting dressed, not important, Monday thought, and he skipped forward until he saw the garden, heard the creak of the gate, smelled the grass and the mulch. He was there because she was there. It took the librarian less than a minute to review the event in extreme detail. Had anyone asked him the color of the bus that had passed her as she stooped to find the key, he could have told them even though Kendra could not have. He could have told Kendra what song she'd been humming to herself as she worked in the garden. In many ways, he'd lived the events more completely than had she. But, as he often told his staff, 
Experience itself is no substitute for good editing. It was his ability to edit and sort, store and retrieve information that made him so effective in his role. And Kendra's experience, all of it, went into a way that he stored in what looked like a notepad in his jacket pocket. Later he'd take it out and transfer the important parts to a more permanent way of preservation. The library closed to mundanes at ten in the evening, and that time was approaching. The girl, Kendra, was sleeping on the couch as Monday's way faded from her mind. The librarian ignored her, continuing to read, occasionally making notes in the margin with a very sharp fountain pen, the ink he used invisible to all but his own eyes. A bit before midnight, there was a soft knock on the door. Monday knew it was Mrs. McKee. She knew where he was and knew that he was aware of everyone's location in all the libraries at all times. She couldn't have entered his office without permission and knew that, too. But knocking is such a lovely, polite, auditory cue. And she was, most times, a lovely, polite person. "'Come in, Mrs. McKee,' Monday said quietly, marking his place and putting the book down in his lap. She only opened the door halfway, just enough to poke her head in. As always, she was dressed in shades of brown and gray, a little too warmly for this time of year. Her hair was cut short, in a style currently popular among many older women. Fifty years before or so, it might have been called a bob or a page boy. Monday recalled the decades when she'd worn it in a very severe bun. If he'd suggested then that she cut it in a bob, she'd have blushed to her roots and scolded him like a naughty schoolboy. "'I'll be going home now, Mr. Monday,' she said quietly, her eyes sliding for a moment to rest on the body of the girl on the couch. He didn't take the bait. "'That's fine, Mrs. McKee,' he replied. "'Will you be needing anything else before I leave?' Again her eyes wandered to the couch. It had been quite some time since Monday had tested anyone in the center of his realm. Mrs. McKee had been a younger woman then, of course, though she'd never been squeamish. "'You can't work for a master,' Monday thought, and be all weak-kneed and squirrely. To the mundanes she looked as if a stiff wind might knock her over, like someone's kindly spinster aunt. But Monday had seen her kill a man with a fireplace poker and escape a burning building by jumping out a fifth-story window. No, Mrs. McKee. Thank you, though. She turned to leave, clearly disappointed that he wouldn't be sharing any information. People who work in research hate to be kept in the dark. Monday decided to let a little light in. This is Kendra, Mrs. McKee he said, gesturing at the sleeping girl. There is a chance that she'll still be wandering through the library when you return tomorrow morning to open up. There is a chance that she will be not wandering. There is a very slight chance you may find her on the steps outside. In any event, you know what action to take. I will be in my rooms until 10 a.m. or so. Please don't disturb me unless it's urgent. The silver-haired woman smiled and nodded, the particular event or incident was insignificant, but to be trusted by one's superiors is of great importance to one's self-esteem. "'Of course, Mr. Monday,' she replied. The door clicked closed behind her, and he could hear her sensible shoes making their precise little clop-clop noises as she made her way down the administration hallway. Monday turned to regard the girl. The tasks of discernment, he thought are so much more complicated for many of my brothers and sisters. In his case, though, the environment would provide the test, survive the environment, pass the test. 
For those undergoing Monday's exam, it was very much like swimming or drowning. Once you're in the water, the element itself provides both the exam and the final grade. Monday didn't even need to watch the proceedings, of course, but he'd taken a curious interest in the girl. She looked so fragile and generic laying there on the couch, but she had some spirit, and she'd survived a sky-blood mark. Perhaps keeping an eye on her would prove additionally entertaining. He walked to the couch, crouched down, and put a hand on her shoulder. She might otherwise simply have slept through the night, and that wouldn't have done at all. One way or another, her test would be over by dawn, and that would give Mrs. McKee an hour or two to get the girl back on her feet, or to get things cleaned up, before the mundanes appeared on the steps as the library opened for business. Say what you will about their limited abilities, Monday thought, but some of them do love their libraries. Young lady, he said, as he stood to go. He said it firmly, but not too loudly. It could have been a whisper in his office, and sufficed. She sat up on the couch, looked around through squinting, sleepy eyes, and said, I'm still in your office. Monday nodded and asked, You didn't expect to be. She shook her head. No, it reminded me too much of the things I've imagined, things that disappeared when I've gone to sleep and then woken up. Sorry to have crashed on your couch. She stretched her arms out a bit, yawned, and stood up. The librarian backed up two steps, as he had been crouching very near the couch. She looked up at him and said, I've really got to be going now. My mom's going to be, well, maybe she won't be, but I, I should still get going. She looked around for her book bag and spied it on the floor by the desk. She went over and picked it up, slinging it across her shoulder with that casual ease that all young people seem to have with their things, as if the objects that they use the most are part of them, tails or horns or manes. Yes, Monday said to her, and she turned back to look at him. Yes, what? she asked. Yes, it's time for you to leave, he explained. She looked for a moment very young and lost, and he almost pitied her. I'm sorry, Mr... she began. Monday, he informed her. Mr. Monday, she said, actually looking sorry. I still don't know what the heck's been going on. I really do appreciate the nap, and I'm sorry if I've been a bother. If you need to call my mom to... I don't know. If there's anything you need from me... He nodded, wondering how he appeared to her. Unlike many reckoners, Monday rarely used his seeming to appear different to mundanes. He looked, within the ways, more or less like what they saw. I suppose I actually look a bit grim, he thought. Tall, lanky, white hair thinning on top. Dark gray suit over black shirt and black tie and dark brown skin. Black shoes, of course. Why any man would wear brown shoes was beyond Monday's understanding. It's time for you to leave, Kendra, he explained, but whether or not you do leave will depend on you. She looked confused. He didn't let her ask the obvious question. He simply explained all that he was prepared to explain, and nothing more. You have stumbled into my world, he said, walking around the front of his desk to collect his book. You have been brought here when really you should not have been, and you have seen things you oughtn't have. She looked ready to protest, and he held up his hand. She remained silent. Point for Kendra. It's not your fault, no, but that doesn't matter. Much of what transpires for good or ill is not of our choosing, nor of our doing. Nevertheless, we must play the hand we are dealt. He walked to the door, opened it, and turned to face her one last time. When I leave this room, you will be alone in my office, 
he said quietly and calmly. There is no lock on this door, nor are there any locks anywhere within my library, at least none as you understand the concept. I am going upstairs to my apartment to eat, read a little, and then to bed. It is, he checked his watch, 12.39 a.m. You have until dawn to make your way out of this office, out of the library, and to the front steps of the building. I suggest, if you do so, that you wait there for Mrs. McKee. She will give you a nice breakfast and explain a few things. Do you understand? Kendra shook her head. No, she said. If there are no locks, why on earth would it take me, what, five or six hours to get out of the building? He shrugged. No, it might not take you that long at all. That's as may be. But if you are still inside my institution when the sun rises, you will die. Her mouth opened wide at that, and Monday knew she would say something foolish or ask for greater explanations, none of which would be of any value whatsoever, so he simply smiled, spun on his heel, and shut the door behind himself. The feel of Monday's way expanding in his wake was always something he savored. He'd been holding it in check for quite some time in order to give the girl a chance to rest, and now it opened like a warm cascade of light behind him, a waterfall of images and memory and power. It was to him the natural, pure ambience of the universe, the shining, beautiful layers of meaning that overlay the crudity of simple objects and base actions when they are truly seen. Through the office door, Monday heard the girl inhale a gasp and then begin to scream. There was no carpet in the administration hall. The heat and air all came in through small openings at the top of the doors. Sound carries very well in museums and libraries for some strange reason. Her screaming, ragged and desperate, followed him all the way through the administration wing, and he could even hear it faintly as he opened the door that led to his private quarters. It sounds, he thought to himself, as if she is on fire. Monday did not think himself a cruel man, and so he was glad when the door to his room, swinging shut behind him, finally cut off the sound of her shrieking. Not a hopeful sign, all that yelling, I suppose. <laughs>